Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, Brent, thank you. It is the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VSIN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi there, tucked away in his office in New Jersey. And you can almost feel the anticipa- anticipation <laughs> coming through the screen there with Michael Lombardi as uh, James Harden makes his debut tonight for the 76ers at the T Wolves. The T Wolves, second half of back to back, as we mentioned, but a great win against Memphis. They're going to be buoyed coming into this. I'm going to set you up and let you run with it. Okay, so as I mentioned, third betting favorite to come out of the East, the 76ers at three to one, Michael. Fifth betting as far as uh, favorite, as far as the championship at seven to one for the 76ers. They're they're 35 and 23. They're thir- three games out of first place in the East. This is fascinating because the complementary basketball these two need to play, whether it's pick and roll, however you want to lay it out. Embiid leads the NBA in usage for the second straight year. So everything centers around him. I'm going to start with this. How does Harden fit into this offense with everything right now being centered around Embiid? Well, I think what it hopefully it does by theory is it gives him a chance to space the court and create more avenues, more lanes for Embiid to not always be doubled. I think when you look at the double rate, uh, I think Harden is one of the most doubled players in the yep. league, just like Embiid is. So you, you can't double everybody, as Belichick would often tell the team. We can't double everybody. So you can't double Embiid and you can't double Harden. So the theory would be you can only double one, and I think you're going to double the guy closest to the rim more than you're going to double the guy sitting out the three-point line, I suspect. And I think ultimately this will ho- hopefully lift the Sixers' offense, which becomes stagnant at times, especially in the half-court set. Uh, above their 14th ranking overall in the NBA. The concern you have as a Sixer fan is, does this help their defense? They're 10th right now. When they had Simmons on the court, they were really a good defensive team. They could lock it down, especially with Danny Green. You bring Thibault off the bench. They're long. They were athletic. They could run. It really was good. So you're going to give up some of that. You're going to give up some of that with Harden on the court. Harden's an instinctive player who is not mostly motivated, at least from when you watch some of the Brooklyn plays, of playing defense. That's got to remain to be seen, and I think that's what's all got to come together. And then I think the underlying factor here is where does Maxie and Harris fit in to the dynamic? You know, this should take some of the pressure off of Harris. You know, he's not a good number two outlet. He's a better role three. And to me, if I'm Tobias Harris, I've been working on my jumper because I'm going to get a bunch of three-pointers at the line to shoot because people are going to give him that shot. And the days of us Sixer fans watching Tobias Harris dribble the ball around for three minutes before he goes and goes to the rim, I think are over with. 
We mentioned the usage of being, as far as Embiid leading the NBA in usage for the second straight year. The question with Harden is, is he going to be into it when he doesn't have the ball in his hands? And when, you, as you just adeptly put it, Embiid doubled down low, he's going to be finding Harden for those open threes. But Harden's not necessarily a catch-and-shoot guy. As a matter of fact, just 12 of his 102 three-pointers this season have come off the catch-and-shoot. He's a guy that likes the ball in his hands. It's going to be an adjustment for Harden. Yeah, you know, and the thing it is, but one thing Harden does for as weird as his body looks and as out of shape at times he does, he has that quickness and he can get to the rim. And look, he leads what's he's still at over 10 assists a night. You know, for as good as Maxi has been, Maxi hasn't been a true point guard in the sense of distributing the, the basketball with a high assist rate. He hasn't turned the ball over. He's been really good at that. But he's not a great assist player. He can get to the rim and create his own shot. I think it's going to be this hard move is going to be really dynamic for Maxi because if they try to run out to Maxi at the three-point line, he will be able to scream in and get a dunk. And, and he'll go by anybody out there. So... I agree with you, but I do think Harden is really good off the dribble too, Patrick. I think he gets to the Absolutely. rim more than you think. Absolutely. And that high pick and roll with Embiid, if they, it could be, it could be magical. Like there, there's two scenarios here where it's magical with the two-way play with Harden and Embiid or it starts to become a disaster. You know, again, there's going to be a lot more switching now that Harden's there. This is a team that doesn't switch much. I wonder Maxi and Harden in the backcourt together, where Maxi becomes more of a floor spacer than he had before. You know, he right. attempts about 3.6 yeah. three-pointers, but his percentage has gone up. He's shooting 39% from three this year, as opposed to, I think it was 32 last year, 31-ish from Maxi. He's been really good at that. He's really worked on his game. He's improved in that. And look, the, the other thing that I think is going to demonstrate itself out with Harden having the ball is, is if they try to run to Maxi late, his, his blazing quickness will get by you. Yep. And the other thing I think Harden does is there has always been a time where the, in the Mavericks game particularly, when, the, when, when teams go zone against Philly, and they try to basically take uh, Embiid out by zoning it all up, the, the, the Sixers had no answer. They have an answer now. The, you're not going to zone hard enough. Right. He's going to hit every one of those. You know, So that alleviates Doc from having to scheme stuff, which is somewhat helpful, and then they can move forward. But I, I'm concerned. Tonight, for me, this is about how they play defense together and how they handle it. Because Russell, we saw him last night. I mean, he was getting to the rim at will against Memphis. He was able to dribble, penetrate, and get there. And, and they've got scores on this team. And, and certainly with Edwards, his size, uh, they can make some plays. So it's going to be interesting how they match up to this. We know Towns and Embiid can kind of, you know, handle one another. I mean, Towns will try to take Embiid out to the three-point line and get him away from blocking Russell's shot inside. We'll see how they play around them. Yeah, the Sixers boast an elite defense. I mean, they're giving up 106 points per, which is seventh in the league. But it's it's this is just interesting because especially on the wing, and we brought this up earlier, Michael. Remember, Tatum and Brown combined for 57 before the break. That's where Philly's going to struggle now. I mean, Philly on the wing, defending good wings like you saw with Boston, that's going to be the issue. No doubt. No doubt. They've got to, and, and he's going to have to step up his game and beat. He's got to play better on the, you know, he's got to be able to keep people from getting to the rim and trying to dare him. If they can keep him inside tonight with Towns, he's going to have to try to uh, go outside and, and defend that three-point line. As you, as you aptly predicted, Towns was, a, was really good at the three-point line. 
Because if they bring in, and you know this better than anybody, if they bring in Thibault, it all of a sudden becomes an offensive liability where he's tremendous defensively. It's, you know, if there's the three are coming off the bench, there's liabilities. Green, Korkmaz, and Thibault. They, they present positives, but also the problems as well. But they space the court really well when they have Korsma out there. Green hasn't shot the ball very well this year. But my understanding is I think they're going to start Thibault. And they're going to bring Green off the gotcha. bench. And what what I my understanding of Doc's rotation is he wants to always have Maxi Maxi Harris and Bede and Harden some combination of those four always on the court at one time. So he's got his scores, you know, and he's got the guys that put it in. I think the guy is going to have to adjust more than anybody is Harris. And he should just go look at his account and his money account and think, thank the Lord that he's got all this money deposited in there with this contract <laughs> that Elton Brand gave him because he's going to have to take he's going to have to give up something here. Embiid ain't going to give up anything. No. And Maxi doesn't have to give up anything either because Maxi's is going to drive his Maxi's going to get to the rim whenever he wants to against anybody. It's it's Harris. There's going to be no plays called for Harris. He's not going to get any plays called. Oh, let's let's get Harris the ball here. Let's get him involved. No, he's going to have to stand there and hit that spot up three from the corner or from the wing. Can he do it? I don't know. This can't be a deterrent to Maxi's progression because nope. you saw him blossom last year, late in the year. This year has been a. I'll give you anybody off the Pistons except Cade Cunningham for the kid. I love Maxi. I love his personality. I, I, he's dogmatic. And what you just said as far as Embiid's interesting because remember going into the break, Embiid went to 76ers who are 12, what, 10 and 2 their last 12 on the road straight up. They become a road team this year, Michael. But they went on the break and Embiid had like 42 and 14 against uh, Milwaukee. So usage sky high. He's doing everything. It's going to be an adjustment for Embiid because he's going to want to get Harden involved and Harden needs the ball. Yeah, no doubt. But I think the other factor we got to look into this, too, is the Sixers have not been a really good rebounding team, and they're going to have to figure that out going forward. I mean, when they played Minnesota the last time back in November, right after Thanksgiving, they were out-rebounded 54-44. to 44. You know, now they couldn't make a three-pointer in that game. They shot 12 for 34 from the field. They were horrible. So they've got to be able to pick that up. Minnesota won the game by one. They were six point six and a half point dog going in. They couldn't play defense. But in the last... In the last 25 games, the Sixers are 18-7 and seven straight up. So they have improved. They have gotten better from that point. And today's another element that they're going to have to add to their team. I think it's going to be fun to watch. I really do. And I don't think it's going to get solved in one night. I think everybody's going to rush to judgment and say it won't work. I think it's going to have to come. The one thing I do sense from reading the comments of players is that they are all in on this. Not as much, I don't know if Harris is, but from Harden and Embiid and Maxi, I think they're all in. And I think ultimately great players make other players better. I think if you're going to get a dispirited Harden, it generally it tapers, right? He's going to give everything. First off, you got 24 games until the postseason. It's kind of perfect. The only question is, will they gel? You know, and that's what we're waiting to see. I think tonight's going to be fascinating. Let's go ahead and set up the number. The 76ers tonight at the T-Wolves are laying two and a half, 229. So that total yesterday with the T-Wolves hosting Memphis was 240. Let's come down a little bit. 76ers very good defensively. What do you think as far as a pick here? 76ers laying two and a half. Well, I think, you know, the back-to-back, -back, obviously the rest is a factor here. But to me, I think the way Minnesota's playing and the way there's a lot of pieces going with Philly, you got to lean towards Minnesota. You're worried about the rest. You really are. I mean, Minnesota out-rebounded them by 10 in the last game, and that is the Achilles heel. 
of the 76ers. They are not a good rebounding team. They've got to get better in that area. And then who's the backup center? I promise you he'll play uh, Coley Stein 15 minutes tonight, even though he didn't have a job three days ago. <laughs> well put. Again, I mentioned. I mean, he Doc, Doc is the king of progress. The Parcells had a term for this: progress stoppers, playing older guys to stop the progress of young players. He's the king of it. So is Thibodeau. Those guys, that's who they are. They can't help themselves. It's a great Friday night matchup. Philadelphia 10 and 2 straight up their last 12 on the road. However, Minnesota 8 and 1 straight up their last nine at home. Something's got to give. We continue Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, if you missed any part of the Lombardi line or any show here on VSIN, you can stay up to date with the free VSIN podcast. Go to vsin.com slash podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vsin.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gail Alexander, Market Insights, Josh Applebaum, plus Hardwood Handicappers, JBT, Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and more. It's all there, it's all free. Beeson.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. Hope you're having a nice Friday. I have to bring this up just because it is modern day player, I guess, if that's the way you want to put it. But I woke up this morning and I saw Russell Wilson had removed the Seahawks from his Twitter bio. He, yeah. he used to be Seattle Seahawks quarterback. Now he's simply professional athlete. The picture. Yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> his family. This is where we are. This is this is exactly what the agents want to create in the National Football League. Is they are trying to create an NBA-like scenario, and in their arsenal, in their tool belt, is the social media aspect. Let's remove our name. Yep. 
let's this let's so this generates conversation. Now, no one has ever been able to say this guy demanded a trade and he got his way out of a town. Like that that hasn't happened. We spent all last offseason discussing this. You know, who's going where, who's going to demand a trade, who's unhappy, yada, yada, yada. Of course, when they asked Russell if he was unhappy, he never was unhappy. We are now in agent season. Agent season is how we control the narrative of what we want to control through the media, completely through the media. And so the media is gullible and they'll buy into it and they'll, oh, look, he left his social media. Okay, great. It's about money. The only people not affected by any of this are the team are the teams. You know, the worldwide leader will get more conversation to debate about and we can talk about it. But the reality of it is, is, is it's just really a non-story. The, back in the 40s and 50s, the CIA ran a, ran, a, ran a service called Operation Mockingbird, which was we would go into different countries, control the narrative in the paper to spread the spin we wanted to spread. Somewhat effective. This is what we are. We are in, we are in the NFL's version of Operation Mockingbird. We are going to create a narrative that doesn't exist, and we're going to keep talking about it through social media by not being in social media. I mean, Kyla Murray does it all. Michael Bidwell comes out today and says he's part of our long-term plan. End of story. I mean, it's a lot about nothing, Patrick. Much ado. I, I mean, for me, it's no one answers the question, who is going to, like, I was on Denver radio today, and they asked, who, what do you think is going to happen at quarterback? And I'm like, what, what are the options? Like, there are no options. I mean, the Packers aren't just going to let Aaron Rodgers walk out of town. I mean, Brian Gutekunst made it very clear at his press conference. He said, we'd never agreed to trade him. We never have. He doesn't have. He's not a free agent, even though that's what you think we would. We, that's what you think he is based on the media. He's not a free agent. They control his rights. I've been saying that on this program for three months. They own his, they control his rights. They have to acquiesce to do it. They're not going to do it. Now, next year, if he wants to go somewhere, feel free, go. That's what they worked out in the contract. But there's all, there's two narratives going on that we get fed constantly that as a betting network and people that invest into, into the over and unders, we have to ignore it. You've got to ignore it. For example, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's leaked out that they may not trade Jimmy. They may not trade Jimmy. Really? They're not going to trade Jimmy. Of course they leaked that out. That builds strength into saying no. You would be disappointed if there wasn't a story coming out that Jimmy Garoppolo, that the 49ers might keep Garoppolo. If you're gullible enough to believe that, then go ahead. But that's not even a story. That was an advertisement. Russell Wilson removing his, his Twitter handle. That's an advertisement. It's not a story. And we can't seem to get that straight because we have to get clicks and we've got to start talking about things that have no relevance to it at all. It's modern day leverage creation, right? I mean, this is like you said, it's theory. It never creates any in the NBA. It works. But what the agents are trying to do behind the scenes is to create an NBA situation. Look, look, I get it. You trade Simmons for Harden, one good player for another. Okay, if there were 25 quarterbacks available, you could trade Russell Wilson for another quarterback. You could do the Norm Sneed for Sonny Jurgerson trade if you want. But there aren't. There aren't any of those. I mean, maybe they feel like, okay, if we sign Carson Wentz, we sign Carson Wentz to a deal. I'm just hypothetically here. Seattle, we trade for Carson Wentz, give up nothing, and then we'll go ahead and trade Russell Wilson for a bonanza. 
okay, that makes sense, but you're stuck with Carson Wentz. I mean, just think nobody would trade anything for, for nobody would trade anything for Gar, uh, uh, Minshew. And it's, now you're telling me that there are all these trades are going to happen? I mean, Minshew's out there. He, he's a really good backup quarterback who would have saved a lot of teams' uh, season if he would have been on their roster. They couldn't get anything for him. Now you're telling me that, that Seattle was just going to just give away Russell Wilson and they have nobody left to play for him. Who's playing for them? And he's owed 50. He's under contract for two more seasons. He's owed 51 mil and he's got a no trade clause. So that's where Wilson is. He's got a no trade so clause. He's 33. I, I, if I was John Schneider, I would be scared to death that he removed his he removed his Twitter handle. I would be shaking in my boots. I would be <laughs> so worried. Oh my God, he removed his Twitter handle. Oh God, this is a disaster for me. I can't sleep at night. Are you kidding me? Grow up. Who cares? Who cares? I don't care. It gives somebody to write about. They give you know clicks. It doesn't matter. I care about who's going to play quarterback for me next year, and I have this guy under contract for two years. And unless somebody comes in and offers me a, a ridiculous amount of draft picks plus a quarterback, why would I do anything? Because I'm going to get my butt fired next year if I don't. That's pretty clear here. That's, that's not part of the story. But when, when, when uh, Paul Allen's sister Jody, I believe her first name is Jody Allen, had that meeting this year in the offseason, I mean – Carroll got his marching orders. He's got to win next year. Seven. Is he going to win with? Is he going to win with Geno Smith? <laughs> no, he's not. Seven wins last year. Two big free agents. First off, they you know the Russell Wilson situation is over here. Quandre Diggs is a free agent. As bad as the defense was, he kind of limited those explosive plays on the back end. And I believe the tackles a free agent. Isn't Brown a free agent as well? They got to figure that out. Yeah, they they got to figure a lot of things out. They got to figure a lot of stuff out and they got to figure out how they're going to beat the Rams and they got to figure out how they're going to beat the, the Cardinals and they got to figure out how they're going to beat the 49ers. There's a lot going on there that you're just going to say, okay, you know, we're going to give Russell Wilson to Philadelphia because, you know, they'll give us two number one picks for him. What am I going to do with these two number ones? There's no quarterback. Who's playing quarterback for me? So this will make you feel better. He did scrub them from Twitter but Russell Wilson still follows the Seahawks on Instagram. So on IG, and it's he's so flexing. important. It makes me feel better. It makes me I knew feel it would. So That's why I told you. Better. I knew. Thank you. Oh God, I don't know what I would have done without it. I don't know. The picture. I just think to me, there's a lot of things that we have to do better, and this is really important for all of us in betting and a betting network is to really to understand what is an advertisement and what is real. Russ, Kyler Murray's an advertisement. I've said that from the beginning. Now, he's got his own issues inside that locker room that he's got to fix. Most of them are all on him, right? Nobody wants to say it, but most of them are. His inability to relate to his teammates and be a good teammate is a problem. But they're not getting rid of him. No. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo, not a lock to be traded. That's an advertisement. That's John Lynch telling a reporter, hey, you know, we're not going to give up on this guy so easily unless we get what we want. Well, of course you're not. Of course. If you come in with a fourth-round pick, we're not going to give him away. Okay, good. 
Yeah, that was specifically John Lynch telling Adam Schefter, who then told Ari Mayrove, the 49ers may not trade Jimmy G. That's literally John Lynch is telling Schefter to say they're, this. They're, they, they, they might as well take in a billboard. They, what they should do at the Indianapolis Combine next week is take a billboard out and put it up there. So when all the teams drive over to downtown, downtown Indianapolis, they can see it. It's an advertisement. This is just cheaper. You didn't have to pay for the billboard. You know, Carson Wentz could make life easy on himself at the combine. Just stop by the combine and talk to the teams. How about Wentz just he, stopping by? But, I mean, he's got, like, I mean, Wentz has got, like, the problem is when you trade for Wentz, did you solve the problem? And you can't answer this question. No one can. If Frank Wright can't fix him, why should I be able to fix him? Ego. You know these teams always think they can fix them. You know they always Not think in this they can case. What, what this, the, the second time around, it's, it's teams, they, they become turtles. They put, their, they put their necks back in the shell. Nobody wants to take this on. I had a pet turtle growing up. Legit. Did you really? I kept them in a bucket. And then I realized, I'm like, this isn't nice. Like, the dude's going nowhere, so I released them out into Stony Creek. Okay, that's it. Uh, I like the turtle comparison, and we got a history lesson there. Mockingbird? What'd you call it? Operation Mockingbird. It's a propaganda campaign. Look that's all up. we're dealing with right now. John Lynch and Adam Schefter spreading propaganda. And... Oh, they'll deny said, that completely. I, oh, we didn't say that. We didn't talk to that. Oh, come on, please. Agent season. S-Z-N. <laughs> That's classic. Josh is next. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's Hoops Madness. Get everything you need to bet the madness this year, 24-7, streaming daily best bet emails and our tournament betting guide, including advice, data, and strategy for only $19. So we've dropped the price 10 bucks. This is the cheapest you're going to get it. So whether you're filling out a bracket or betting against the spread, our team is here to get you ready for every game and every round of the tournament. Get analysis from our experts, including Greg Hoops Peterson on every key team, conference, and player to watch. From the favorites to the potential Cinderella's. We saw it last year at UCLA. Sign up today. Get the betting guide plus full access to VSIN through April 5th for 19 bucks. Hurry. This will not last long. It's vsin.com slash madness. Okay. Michael Lombardi there. We learned about the Mockingbird effect, which I appreciate as a history nut. Thank you for that. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Joining us now is Josh Applebaum. Market Insights is the pod, betting across America. It's cracking, Josh Applebaum. That is Meadow's dad, Meadow the Labrador. How are we feeling? Oh, we're doing great, guys. Although I would say, Patrick and Michael, we got about a foot and a half of snow. And uh, news to me, dogs do not, like, do not like to go to the bathroom when it's outside and it's snowing and it's a blizzard. So uh, the over on indoor accidents today, guys, hammer that. A lot of steam to that over, Michael. <laughs> steam is the key word. <laughs> is the key word there. Uh, yeah. First off, is it snowing in, in Jersey as well? I mean, the, no, the, we, the east is no, terrible. No, we're, we're, we're down. You know, we're, we had a, supposedly had an ice storm. North Jersey got more snow. We didn't get any. We got the typical which is usually what we're used to, which is the, the cold rain and the temperatures right around that 36, 37, which doesn't lend itself to snow. So I think we're okay. Keep living in Massachusetts, Josh. That's your fault. Let's, <laughs> uh, let's, jump, let's jump into the first one. Two teams 
making their first appearance out the break. Toronto and Charlotte. Charlotte, I love to watch. I love LaMelo. Uh, but this team has started to slide. Charlotte now sitting ninth in the East. You got Toronto right underneath that sixth seed at seven behind Boston by a game. Toronto playing good ball. They're looking, the Raptors looking for a three-game season sweep versus Charlotte. And this number right now is Toronto laying two on the road, Josh. Yeah, so Patrick, you hit the nail on the head. Number one, Toronto has had Charlotte's number 2-0 so far this year. And really, guys, to me, there's a big distinction between home favorites and road favorites. So to me, the play here, I'm, I'm looking at money lining the Raptors in this spot. But if you look at home and road favorites, favorites in general this year are down, but that doesn't tell the whole story. When you get to road favorites, they're 169 and 145 against the spread, 54%. You'd be up around nine units on the year. If they're a really short uh, road favorite, minus three or less, they tick up to 57%. So they've been profitable in this spot that the Raptors are in. And you get to those home favorites, typically the public, you know, just wants to say, hey, give me that home team, lay in the points, the crowd will get behind them, they'll roll here. But home favorites have been a really down bet this year, uh, 276 and 290 ATS, only 48%. You'd be down 37 units betting every home favorite. So number one, you have that road favorite trend in favor of the Raptors. They've had uh, the, the Charlotte Hornets number. And also slight line movement, you know, not huge here, guys, but some of these books were, you know, one and a half up to two. Some of these twos have been hinting at two and a half, even hit two and a half and came back down a little bit. Uh, number one, you got a lot of road refs in this game. So again, a cherry on top, but uh, your road refs here would be Eric Dalen, Natalie Sago, and Kane Fitzgerald, all between 52 and 54% against the spread uh, to the road team. Uh, Toronto's really good in this spot just in general. Uh, they're 18 and 11 against the spread as a favorite. On the road, they're 17 and 10 against the spread. Now, Nick Nurse did say Van Vliet should play this game. He's questionable, but he should play. I think if you get the confirmation that he's in, I think you probably see this thing maybe get closer to two and a half or three. A rest advantage here for Toronto. They last played the 16th versus 17th for the Hornets. So long story short, guys, I'm going to go Raptors on the money line around minus 130, see if they can win this game. The Raptors covering at a 63% clip, as Josh mentioned, 17, 10, and 1 on the road. And Michael Lombardi, these are two teams headed in opposite directions. Over the last 11, the Toronto Raptors are 9 and 2. The Hornets went into the All Star break on a 1 and 9 funk. So 1 yeah, and 9 limp, over limp the last 10. Limping in and 0 and 7 at home in that 1 and 9. I mean, just playing home hasn't been very good for them. So, certainly, this is, you know, it's fun to watch ball play, but the team hasn't really responded like, like they were earlier in the season. I mean, they're just two games under 500. I mean, they got to get it going here a little bit. They got to reconnect this uh, at home. And the other thing is, too, it, not only are they 0 and 7 at home, Patrick, they're 0 6 and 1 at home. And so that, that's real the concern. They gave up 115 points the last 10 games at home. What's the, what's the over on 226? Damn. 226. You know, and these two teams played in Charlotte February 7th. That game closed 116-101 winner for Toronto. So that stayed under tonight's posted total yeah. of 226 at 117. Yeah, that would worry me to go to bet that over there. But I, I think ultimately this is, I mean, Charlotte's got to get it going at this point. I mean, like I said, one and nine the last ten, and oh six and one at home against the spread. Not good. And Josh is just to point out the reason I'm always constantly distinguishing between the six and seven seed. Remember, six seeds. You finish in the top six in the NBA, you're automatically qualified for the postseason. Seven through ten's got to go into that play-in. 
Yeah, great point by you, Patrick. So it's not the old school, you know, top eight make it. And, you know, if you're kind of on the fringe, you're just fighting for positioning. A lot of these teams, and you heard LeBron say it last year, you know, they're, they're not looking good with their chances this year. But he even said it like, you know, hey, we need to make sure that we're in kind of that, that top grouping so yep. we don't have to play the play-in game. And it's really tough if you're on that fringe because you got to win multiple games. And then you got to play the best team once you win. So that could be a motivating factor. All these teams around that, like, you know, seven, eight, nine, maybe even ten range. Yeah, well put. I mean, seven in the West right now is Minnesota, and Patrick Beverly was like, we're not interested in play-ins, and last night they came out Mm -hmm. and beat the hottest team in the NBA in Memphis. So, we transition. Let's go to the Big Ten with Josh Applebaum here on the Lombardi line. We'll go Northwestern Penn State. Uh, Penn State opened a point and a half, and I I got to sit in point and a half on the board. Yeah, I'm looking at Penn State in this one, Patrick. So not a huge line move scenario, but kind of what jumped out to me is maybe a fishy type number. So uh, first off, you have, you know, Northwestern is 13 and 13, even, you know, 500 here, but coming off a win. Now, Penn State is below 500, 11 and 13, and they're coming off a loss. So uh, in this spot, it almost looks like a buy low spot on Penn State. You'll see maybe, quote unquote, the wrong team is favored here. But you're right, Patrick, minus one and a half. But if you look closely at the juice, it's really trending toward uh, Penn State here. Minus one and a half, minus 115, like it may get up to two. So I money line Penn State here. Ken Palm has them winning by three. Our buddy Greg Coops only has them by two. Uh, but you also get Penn State nine and four at home. Northwestern only three and six on the road. Uh, and Penn State did beat Northwestern previously, 74 to 70, back on January 5th. So when I look at these spots, guys, you know, it's the home road split. Uh, it's the line move. And if you look at Penn State, they are checking off a couple boxes here. I'll sweat the Nittany Lions, see if they can win this game outright. I think the unders to play here. I agree. I think both, I think both offenses really struggle. I, and I think the last time, you, you know, what was the last time they played? I think it was uh, – it, it ended up at 134, right? So they went over. So I think this number is a little high. But when you look at it, even uh, Ken Palm has this as a 65-62 game, which would come under, would, would be 127. So I, I think the under, because both of these offenses, they don't shoot well. They don't shoot free throws very well. And I think that you can – you know, you, you're going to have a hard time scoring some points here, especially Northwestern. I mean, when you, when you look at what they do offensively – you know, they're, they are third in the conference in tempo, but boy, they, you know, they're, they're 14th in the conference in, in field goal percentage. So they're, they're, getting, they're making a lot of plays, but they're not getting a lot of done. Well, to follow up with what you just said, Penn State's the opposite of an Iowa, Nebraska, or even Northwestern. They play at a very deliberate, slow pace. They're at home, and Northwestern can't hit threes. So I agree with Michael. Now we're going against the movement up to 129, uh, betting the under here. But I, I do, I do, I am looking at the under as well, Josh. Yeah, so I think to your point, Patrick, you're totally right. There was some over money, which is a little bit perplexing because these teams are under teams. You actually look at Penn State; they're 15 and nine to the under on the year, and they are eight and five to the under at home. Both these teams are four and one to the under their last five. But with that being said, it did open 127 up to 129. So that early move again was to the over at this point. I wouldn't call this a sharp under, but a value play under. You're getting a bit of an inflated number. You do have a slight Ken Palm edge. I'm with you guys. I'd buy low and lean under 129 at this point. Okay, Josh, you got one more on the way out. We'll go St. Louis and Richmond. What do you got on the number here? Yeah, this kind of fits my model as a fade the trendy dog, guys. You have a big majority of bets here on St. Louis. Uh, they're getting like 65, 70% of bets across the market. But Richmond actually opened like a two-point favorite at home. And even though majority of bets are on St. Louis, the line is going to Richmond. Richmond, again, minus two, now up to minus three at a lot of shops. And I see at least one three that's minus 115. Like it may get to three and a half. I don't know if it will, but it's really trending toward Richmond despite majority of bets on St. Louis. So I'll go Richmond on the money line here. Uh, you look at them at home, 10 and three, only four and five on the road for St. 
St. Louis. And this would be a revenge game. Uh, last time these teams played, it was a 76-69 win for St. Louis. Give me the, I, I believe they're the, they're the Spiders, guys. The Spiders at home tonight. Richmond Spiders, that's right. That's with Garrett, right. with Grant Golden and Tyler Burton, two really good players in the conference. I mean, the one thing about Richmond is is they're they, they can score. You know, they're the fourth best team in the conference offensively, but St. Louis is the second best. So it'll be interesting how this works out. But I think with the two players they have, this certainly at home, you got to like them. Josh Applebaum, question: Did you lay the two twenty with your Bruins on the road at the <laughs> Kraken last night, a three two win in overtime for the Bruins? Did you lay the price? I did lay it, Patrick. This is our first game. Me and Meadow were able to go nuts when uh, DeBrus scores that goal at like midnight. Elise got really mad at me because we're being loud, you know, at 1 a.m. But uh, we got it there, guys. Marshan's back. The bees are starting to roll. Speaking of Meadow, uh, pick up on aisle two over there yep. in the front row. <laughs> I just while you and I were doing, well, the three of us were doing a spot. Josh Applebaum, we'll talk to you this weekend here on the Lombardi Line. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Josh. See, see you Sunday, guys. Looking okay. forward to it. Good luck. Market Insights, stay warm as well in betting across America with Josh Applebaum. And Pritch, we continue. It is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. This is VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives, like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's BetMGM and bet on more than the final score with one game parlay at BetMGM. One game parlay designed to help you make selections within a single game from over 400 bet types, including team and player props. Log into your BetMGM account, create your best parlay before the game starts. And if you're new to BetMGM, sign up today. Make your first pick risk-free up to $1,000 with the bonus code VSIN, V-S-I-N. 1,000. Plus, you're going to get those reward points, kind of like a credit card that you can redeem uh, online bonuses converted into comps for rooms, restaurants at more than over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. So try our one game parlay tonight. Use that bonus code VEASAN1000. It's a new customer offer. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. If you have a gambling problem, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, Michael Lombardi 
here on the Lombardi Line. I'm Patrick Maher. Do have breaking news as we welcome you back on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Got some exciting news for you, Michael Lombardi. Matt Nagy has been hired and Saw named that. the senior assistant and quarterback coach with the Kansas City Chiefs. Your boy is back in town. And Biennemi signed a one-year extension with the Chiefs. You know, his contract was up at the end of the year, and everybody was wondering what would happen. And he came back for another year uh, to be the Chiefs' offensive coordinator. But we know Andy Reid is calls the plays. Uh, Nagy gets them somebody if, in fact, Biennemi is able to get a head coaching job next year, whether it's college or pro. I'm sure Andy Reid feels comfortable. The surprise of the offseason for me was that Matt uh, – was that uh, that the Chiefs – were willing to let uh, Mike Kafka, who was the former Northwestern quarterback, played in the league. They were very high on him. They let him go to the Giants. His contract was expired. And they had always kept Kafka. Kafka will probably interview for head coaching jobs next year. He's going to be the hot commodity. He's got the good PR machine behind him. And with the opportunity with the Giants, we'll see what that transpires into. But I was surprised they let him go. Bringing Nagy back is a no-brainer for Andy Reid. He gets somebody who knows the offense, somebody who can design, you know, triple reverses on third and three inches to hand the ball off to the tailback who then pitches it back to the fullback who then gives it back to the running back who gives it to the quarterback, and we get a half an inch. <laughs> Excuse me, I have to chuckle. Uh, follow up on Kafka. Is it PR? I have heard the word genius thrown around. Is that legit or is Everybody, that PR? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I don't know because it's so hard to, and this isn't a knock on the enemy. It's so hard to differentiate actually what goes on in Kansas City. You know, Nagy was supposed to be the genius a couple of years ago, right? And Or the guru, should we say. And there, there, when we got to Chicago, we lost a lot of the rue. You know, and so I don't know that. I think that it'll be, this will be an opportunity for Kafka to run the offense. Brian Dayball at the New York Football Giants is going to take the approach of, I'm going to be the head coach. I'm going to, run, I'm going to coach all three phases of the team. I'm going to be instrumental in all three phases. I'm going to let my coordinators coach, but they're going to coach through what I believe in. So this will be a great, great opportunity for Kafka, one he was not going to get at Kansas City. And so we'll find out how much of that rue came with him when he crossed the Mississippi. Question for you about the enemy. Why was, of course, we know another coaching cycle went by and he didn't get a job, but why was there some question as to whether or not he'd return to Kansas City? You know, I think at some point you have to ask yourself this question. I mean, Joe Bugle did the same thing at Washington when he was the line coach there for a lot of years and he couldn't get a head coaching job. The Hogs. He was the Hogs, and he was popular. He had a great PR campaign about him, and he almost felt like maybe I need to go somewhere else to kind of – differentiate myself from what I have accomplished here. And maybe those were the conversations going on. You know, maybe I should go be a coordinator somewhere else if I'm Eric Bieniemy and run an offense. And then that's truly no one can say Andy Reid's really running it, you know. And I'm sure that was probably what was going through his mind. Where can I position myself to be in the best chance to prove to these people that interview me but don't hire me that I'm more than just what they see in the interview? So, again, that's all theory on my part, uh, but that's kind of the way I see it. And it's happened before in the league. Some guys have to leave jobs to prove that they're more qualified at the next job. You get labeled. You know, if you grow up in an organization as an intern, as a, as a quality control coach, 
Kevin Stefanski, for example. I mean, he was fortunate to do that. He started at Minnesota at an early age, and they moved him up, and then he got his head coaching job. But that's a rare thing to do. Usually you've got to leave somewhere to kind of reestablish yourself. That's well put. Bugle ended up getting the Phoenix. Remember, at the time, they were the Phoenix Cardinals, and he ended up getting yes. the head coaching job with the Phoenix Cardinals. He did. He did. He finally got, he finally broke through. It wasn't, you know, and he broke through with the Raiders, too. I believe he was the head coach of the Raiders for a little bit, too. I think that's what happened. He went to the Raiders and after the he went to the Raiders after the Cardinals and he became the head coach there for a little bit. Yeah. So maybe it works out for Bienemy. There's something obviously there's something going on with the interview process. There's something going on with the background check. Uh, I, I don't have the answers, but there's gotta be an answer for what's happening with Bienemy. Okay, well, no Matt, doubt. Matt Nagy there with the Chiefs. I think uh, yeah. we, we kid about Nagy, but a no-brainer. Familiarity with Andy Reid. Oh, yeah. Ran the offense already. Yeah, I mean, Andy's going to run the offense, and, he's, and he knows what to do, and they kind of and – and, and it's a smart move for Nagy because he puts himself back in a winning culture and a winning organization, and, and he can continue to keep coaching. I think Nagy's smart to do what he did. I think Brian Flores is fortunate to do what he did, to get back in the league, to keep coaching. You become a head coach, and you step out. Peterson got very fortunate to get a head coaching job in Jacksonville. It really wasn't going to go to Peterson, but it, if, if – uh, if Byron Leftwich takes the job, he didn't. He had some conflict, and then Peterson was able to rally back. But I think if you're on that road of a head coach and you don't want to get back in it, it's harder to get back in every year. Michael, before we get out of here, if I could ask you about the Clippers and Lakers, because the Lakers are going to host the Clippers tonight, which doesn't make any sense because they play in the same building. However, these two teams, first half disappointments, of course, the Clippers and Lakers, they're tied in the loss column. Right now, the Clippers are currently sitting the eight seed in the play-in, Lakers nine seed in the play-in. Even with rest, both teams, the Clippers and Lakers, are both going to be missing key pieces. LeBron's a game-time decision tonight. Carmelo with the hamstring, a game-time decision tonight. Anthony Davis is out for four weeks. And then you look at the Clippers, who have won three of four, actually playing better ball. They made the trade to kind of invigorate the squad. Norman Powell, he's out with a broken foot, who they traded for. And Ojale has yet to make an appearance. This is interesting because Lakers and LeBron – Remember, his contract's up after next year, and he was making noise at the All-Star break. And there's been some speculation what's going to happen with LeBron, who's 37, moving forward with the Lakers. This game opened a pick and the Lakers are laying a point and a half on the board. You know, I mean, the one thing we see, the Lakers defensively are just really bad. I mean, especially now with Anthony Davis not in there. I mean, they're giving up, uh, you know, they're giving up over 112 points a night. You know, so they can't really score. But the problem here, too, is is the Clippers, their, their points of procession, they're 26th in the NBA in that category. You know, and they really can't get anything going. They're bad at the free throw line. Their e-field goal percentage, which is something I look at all the time, is 19th. It just doesn't really work. And when you look at the, when you look at the Lakers, you know, they don't protect the rim very well. They're 29th in the league in protecting the rim. You know, they're, they're not very good out at the three-point line, but there are at times where they can defend the middle of the court, but they're, they're just not a complete team. To me, this is one where we'll find out how much break the Lakers really took or are they serious about getting back in this race. I think this is an important game for them to kind of set the tempo. I think you're right. And I said game-time decision for, Lon, or for LeBron. I mean, the assumption is he's going to play, but uh, keep – tuned to Why wouldn't Twitter. he play? Like, they had one team, I think the, 
there are eight days rest and the other one has seven days rest is what I, fi- I figured out this morning. I mean, like, why wouldn't he play? Like, what, what's, as Belichick would say, what, what's he got to do that's so important? <laughs> There's always, there, hey, you know how I mean, some people. Eight day, he's had eight day rest. He's had an eight day rest. There's always something. There's always a narrative. There's always something with LeBron. Now, the assumption, like I said, is he's going to play. Anthony Davis, that's the big miss for him and for them. With the foot, he's out for the next three to four weeks, maybe even extended. Okay, before we say goodbye on a Friday, and we'll be back early mm-hmm. tomorrow morning, I do want to yeah. just get your thoughts as we say goodbye. It's 76ers Lane 2 at Minnesota. If you were to hand out a play on Harden's debut tonight, which way would you lean? I would lean towards Minnesota only because I think Harden's, everybody's talking about Harden. And the one thing I know about pro athletes is when they're talking about the other team and they're not talking about you, you play your best. And the fact that they out-rebounded them in the last game by 10, the fact that they can rebound better than Philadelphia, and I think Philly's going to need some time to get their defense set. I would lean towards Minnesota here. They were six-and-a-half-point dog when they, pl- when they beat them in Philadelphia back in November. I think they got the they they feel like they can play him and beat him. And even though the Timberwolves played last night, as you just mentioned, coming out of the All Star break, so these it's a young team. They should be rested, and they're going to be completely buoyed by what happened against Memphis last night. They're going to be no confident doubt. coming into this matchup. And sometimes teams that have all this break, that seven days off, you don't shoot as well. I mean, it kind of works against you. You're rested, but you're not in rhythm. Yeah, we saw the unders cast yesterday. Happy birthday, Stephen Bond. Happy birthday, Stephen and Christina as well. Thank you for your efforts. Michael, go write a book, and I'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, I'm, okay? I got to. You I got to, Patrick. Odds you. On's coming up next here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.